You're listening to the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCray, your host, and I'm also the leader for the Adult Explore the Bible team. Today, I'm being joined by Ken Brady. He's the director of Sunday School at LifeWay, and we're going to be looking at Session 10, We'll be looking at Luke 22, verses 54 through 62. Ken, thanks for being with us today. Dwayne, I am thrilled to be back. Enjoy doing these with you always. Uh, this is session 10, as I just mentioned, and we're looking at Luke 22, verses 54 through 62. In verses 54 through 55, we see Jesus being led away to the high priest's residence with Peter following the mob at a distance. Peter joins a group of people sitting around a fire for warmth. We've entitled this section in our outline, Distance, and the main point is that believers must be careful to not distance themselves from Jesus. In verses 56 through 60, the first half of it, Peter is approached by a servant girl, and he denies knowing Jesus. Another person accuses Peter of being one of Jesus's followers, and he denied being one of the followers. Then another person insistently identifies Peter as a follower of Jesus based on his Galilean accent. Peter emphatically denied any connection with Jesus at that point. These verses in our outline we've entitled Denial, and the main point here is that believers can expect people to identify them as followers of Jesus. In the last half of verse 60 through 62, after that third denial, we find a rooster crow. This was followed by Jesus looking directly at Peter. Peter then remembers Jesus's warning that he would deny Jesus. He then left the area and wept bitterly. We've entitled this section in our outline, Defeat, and the main point here are that believers are held accountable when they deny knowing Jesus. Those three points, once again, were distance, verses 54 and 55, denial, verses 56 through the first half of 60, and defeat, the second half of verse 60 through 62. And the main point of the whole lesson is denying Jesus leads to sorrow and guilt. Ken, as we look at this lesson, we see some specific words that Luke uses to describe Peter's movement. How do the words that Luke uses here to describe that movement help us get a clearer picture of what's going on in that courtyard? You know, it's a great question. And uh, to be honest, Dwayne, you know, I've you know, read and studied this uh, numerous times over the years. And, uh, and this was a great reminder of something that's happening here in the text. And especially when you take a look at the other gospel accounts, it's almost like you're looking, you know, it's like if you were at an intersection and you've got several people standing on different corners, you know, you, you look at the, an accident that takes place in the intersection from a different angle, right? And so you, you, when you start to look at the way the, the writers, these gospel writers reported uh, these events, uh, you begin to understand that, uh, that Peter uh, is basically uh, moving a little closer to the exit every time you, you see him in this story. And it's understandable. I mean, this was a, man, this was a pressure packed thing uh, that he did uh, to put himself in the high priest's uh, courtyard, uh, you know, possibly you know, being exposed. I mean, this was a bold move, uh, but it didn't stay bold very long because it looks like, you know, fear stepped in, set in, and uh, he began this gradual shrinking back and away from, you know, the, uh, the, the middle of the courtyard and Caiaphas's uh, home. 
And so you just see this, uh, this further shrinking back, you know, from Peter. Uh, and, you know, it kind of reminds me, this could be any of us, you know, in a situation, you know, when we're, you know, pressured to identify with Christ, uh, there is that temptation to uh, possibly deny and, and not step up and stand up. Yeah, the, the more he distanced himself, the easier it became for him to deny Jesus. Well, and you can see that too. I mean, the answers, you know, the question started out, you know, pretty simple. And then at the end, you know, as he's moving further away at the end of it, according to the gospel writers, now he's cursing and he's really angry, angry, and he's really worked up. And so you can see that, I think, in this progression. Uh, in the personal study guide and the daily discipleship guide, there's a little call out entitled, Did You Know? And the did you know for this particular session is that in John 18, 26, we're told that this last person who confronts Peter was a relative of the man who Peter had cut the ear off of in the garden. How might that little detail impact our understanding of Peter's denial here? You know, this is another, uh, I think, one of those uh, wonderful parts of this story. And as you and I were talking, you know, just before we, uh, you know, we hit record, uh, man, this was a uh, probably one of those moments when when Peter had that uh oh kind of a moment oh, you know, yeah. when when he realizes you know out of all the people in the world uh, that could be sitting here around this fire, you're kidding me. The the relative of the person that I, I cut their ear off in the garden, he's like right here in the courtyard. You've got to be kidding me with a small world. And uh, and sure enough, he did. We know that uh, I think it was uh, John and his gospel. And uh, we find out that uh, Malchus was the name of the fellow that lost his ear in the garden. And I heard a pastor one time, uh, con he, he offered some conjecture about that little event in the garden, Dwayne. And he said, I don't think Peter was aiming for the guy's ear. You know, he said, I think he was aiming for his head or his throat. And the guy dodged and just, you know, Peter clipped his ear off. Peter demonstrated that he was a fisherman there and not a not a soldier. Exactly. But, uh, you know, so you've got this fellow, uh, you know, who's all of a sudden right there amongst the people that are warming themselves uh, by the by that fire. And, uh, and Peter, you know, like you mentioned earlier, has now been identified by his accent. And now, you know, hey, you know, weren't you weren't you with him? And so uh, this is adding, I think, to Peter's uh, to his stress, the, the fear factor, the fear level is increasing. And then we obviously we know from the other gospel accounts that uh, that he gets really worked up and begins uh, cursing. And so he was super bold in the garden, right, when he was defending Christ. But now that he's here in the courtyard, um, you know, he was really bold when he was around his fellow disciples, Dwayne. But now that he's removed from the disciples and he's with these strangers and he's, uh, you know, trying to see what's going to happen with Christ. Now, all of a sudden, when he's uh, when he's not around his buddies, uh, he's not quite as bold. And you see this, you know, this increase, the stepping up of the fear, and he is not responding well like a disciple should be responding. And, and that just reminds me of the importance of, you know, we, we can be bold around friends. It's easy to be bold at church about an issue or something and, and bold uh, in our in our small groups, our Sunday school groups. But uh, boy, the, the, the true test comes, you know, when we're not around our friends and buddies that are fellow believers, when we're at the office or when we're visiting with a neighbor or maybe even a family member, you know, at a, a holiday, Thanksgiving or Christmas and conversations turn spiritual. 
we have to remember that, uh, that we should be just as bold in those circumstances. Peter, pretty bold in the garden with Jesus and the fellow disciples. But the, you know, when he gets to the courtyard, the, the more he talks, the, the more accusations that are, are being you know, thrown out about his involvement with Christ, uh, you just see that slipping away and moving away and you know, moving toward the door. Ken, when we study this passage, what can we learn from Peter that might help us overcome fears we might have about being identified with Jesus? Uh, great question again, Dwayne. And man, this is why I really appreciate Explore the Bible for helping us to really, you know, understand that context of what was taking place in the scripture, but then also, you know, helping us to bridge that and to apply that context, you know, to us today. And so uh, you've asked a wonderful question. I, I would say that uh, some things that we ought to learn from this is that, uh, you know, as if we were to deny Jesus, and sometimes, uh, you know, we do that by not speaking up. Uh, you know, Peter definitely spoke up here, but uh, there are times that we could just be silent and not let people know that we're believers, or if they do know, uh, we could be, you know, you know, less talkative than we should. Uh, here's the thing I would, I would take away from Peter's uh, story here, Dwayne, and that is that denying Jesus, it's not gonna make us feel any better. You know, the, the, he got to this point by that third time that he was just miserable when Jesus looked at him. Maybe Jesus had been brought out to the courtyard. You know, we just don't know. But man, when their eyes made contact, uh, he did not feel good about his denial. And like you mentioned earlier at the very beginning of the podcast, you know, he went out and he wept bitterly. And you can only imagine, you know, what his soul was going through. And so I would say we, we could go through things like that today. If we realize we've blown it and we've not really stood up and we could find ourselves not feeling so great about uh, not standing up for the Lord. I'd also say that, that, you know, it, it's harder to stand up for Jesus when you're alone. We mentioned that already about the, you know, garden situation with Peter being really bold and swinging for the fence, you know, going for Malchus's head. Uh, and then here he is, you know, he, he's now timid and afraid of a little girl uh, that's asking him or, you know, uh, telling the others that, hey, this, this person was, you know, with Jesus, he was with his disciples. And he's, he's now, you know, backing away from a little girl. And so, I think that we need to remember that, uh, that we, we, we need to stand up for Christ uh, and it's going to be a little harder when we're alone. So let's just go ahead and uh, prepare ourselves for that. And just know that, you know, when we're with family or we're at the workplace or we're with a neighbor or a stranger, uh, it, that's going to be one of those situations where we're going to be tempted to feel fear and we just don't have to do that. And then I think the last thing that I would take away from this, Dwayne, is that, you know, probably today in America, the worst thing that's going to happen to us if we deny Christ, uh, obviously, we're going to disappoint the Lord, there's no doubt. But uh, we're not going to be drug off, you know, like Peter, Peter had a real, uh, a real uh, possibility of, of ending up uh, on a cross like Jesus. I mean, he could have been identified as these rebellious, uh, ram, you know, uh, rambunctious disciples. And so there was a real possibility of threat. Here in America today, I don't think we've got to worry about that necessarily, but we might feel ostracized or we might feel ridicule. Uh, we might feel, you know, set out of a group because we do take a stand uh, for Christ as one of his disciples. So I think we need to remind ourselves that, you know, that's probably about the worst it's going to be. So why not be bold and stand up? It's not going to cost us our lives, at least not yet. And so uh, there's really not a good reason I could think of that we shouldn't be bold. I mean, because if that's the worst thing that happens to us and people quit talking to us or inviting us to lunch or they don't want to be around us, well, okay. I would think I would rather, you know, 
share my relationship with Christ and make that known than to uh, sit down and be quiet and not make that known when honestly the consequences are just not going to be that severe like it would have been for Peter. A question to ask at that point, we may ask our group this question, if they're thinking about that, whose eyes would you rather look into? Would you rather mm. look into the eyes of that family member who you, you uh, avoided that conversation with them? So therefore, they are, you know, you can, eat the, you can eat the turkey without a conflict. Or would you rather look in the eyes of Jesus? Uh, which one of those person's eyes would you rather look in after that conversation was over? Peter had to ask that question, had to answer that question. Um, whose eyes do you want to look into? In the group plans, one of the ideas when we're thinking about his denials is for us to create three teams. And now a per, an individual could be a team. So it could be just three different people assigned to do this if, that's, if your group is you and three others. Or you can go larger than that. Give each one of those folks or teams one of the denials, whichever one you want to assign to them, and ask them to look at that denial in relation to the other two and how that one is unique from the other two. Bring them back together and go through the denial one, denial two, denial three. Use that to point to the progression of Peter moving from here to here to here and the level of his disagreement. You know, further away he got or the the deeper into the conversation, the more adamant he was with his denials. Most folks in our groups are going to know Peter denied him, but denied Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, so and this is one of those verses, too, that a lot of times we just, yeah, Peter denied, there was the rooster, and we move on. This is a story that kids read, but we don't stop and examine those point one, point two, point three, and factors that were involved in it, him distancing himself, the progression involved here, those kinds of things. So this is this lesson gives us an opportunity to dig a little bit deeper into a passage that we don't always give a lot of attention to. Yeah. Uh, Ken, are there other key insights or thoughts you would share about this particular study? Yeah, I would say uh, let's don't be too, too hard on Peter because uh, we've probably all at some point been either tempted to uh, not speak up and to associate ourselves with Christ um, uh, or we've, you know, we've, uh, we've experienced the failure that he's experienced, you know, and there may be people in our group that this will be uh, a reminder that, you know what, they blew it, you know, and, and we don't want folks walking out feeling guilty, but we do want them to feel encouraged and emboldened to speak up. And so I would, I would remind people, perhaps, Dwayne, that, uh, you know, hey, yes, Peter blew it here in this lesson. However, in the post-resurrection event on the beach, you know, Jesus would ultimately restore him to service, forgive his mistakes, and this, you know, this, this lack of stepping up and speaking up, and, uh, and would appoint him to uh, basically usher in, you know, the New Testament uh, church era. And so it just shows me that God's grace is always available, uh, even when we blow it. it. It did give Peter probably a new or a, a deeper understanding of God's grace than he would have had prior to this. And I can't help but think when he faced other situations in the future, he would play this back. I ain't going down that road again. And it actually made him more bold in the future than it would have had he not gone through this experience. So we see God working in multiple ways in this passage. Absolutely. And that's exactly what you see with Peter in uh, the gospel of Acts or the book of Acts. You know, when uh, you see him uh, back on the scene and doing his thing, I mean, he is just tearing it up, uh, preaching uh, the good news of Christ. And he is not the guy you saw in the the courtyard of Caiaphas's home. Yeah. 
Ian, thank you for being with us today. I want to thank those who are listening to us today for tuning in. If you have comments or questions, you're always welcome to send me an email at dwayne.mccrary at lifeway.com. That's D-W-A-Y-N-E dot M-C-C-R-A-R-Y at lifeway.com. And I'll do my best to answer your question. If I don't know the answer, I'll promise to find the right person who can answer your question and get you connected with them. Hope you'll join us next week. Next week, we'll be looking at session 11. We'll be looking at Luke chapter 23, verses 33 through 46, which is the actual crucifixion of Jesus. It's also when we see this conversation between Jesus and one of the criminals and how that criminal discovered God's forgiveness while hanging on the cross.